Today's episode is presented by Advanced Recruiting Intelligence. Find out what makes this the fastest growing, most cost-effective recruiting management tool in college athletics and get your free demo at ARIRecruiting.com. And now, it's time for the show. That's right, it's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, the guy who always eats all the mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving, Dan Tudor. Hey coach, it's Dan. Welcome to the big show. We are so glad that you're listening. So glad to have you listening every time we air an episode, which by the way, I need to apologize because it's been a little bit longer than normal in between episodes and that really just coincided with a couple of things, a couple of workshops that we were doing, uh, kind of a flood of several new clients we were launching their projects with and also wrap in Thanksgiving of 2020 and everything that made that unique uh, into the mix, and that's why it's uh, it's been a little bit uh, in between podcasts. So I apologize for that. We'll try to get back on schedule for the future, but so glad that you were here for this one, and I think it's going to be a great one for you to listen to because we were contacted by a coach who who was just they were just asking questions and uh, wanted to talk about some of the changes they had made in their program. Well, the more we dove into what they were wanting to talk about, it. It really was interesting because it was a coach, younger coach, who was helping her head coach develop their program, develop their recruiting approach. And they had really pieced it together uh, piece by piece over time to develop something that they thought was working really well. And what was interesting was that they started with a lot of questions. They started with a lot of problems that were happening in recruiting in their program, and they took it all the way to the end where now things are working really, really well. So it, it really is this evolution of a program, an evolution in the way that a coaching staff approached recruiting, and I wanted to get her to talk about it, and so we arranged a time to chat, and she shared kind of what they went through and the, the different processes they went through and what the differences were that they began seeing in their recruiting, and I just think it's going to be really instructive for you. As you build your program, you're wondering if you're doing it right, uh, all these changes maybe that you're in the process of making, will it pay off? This is going to be a really interesting episode to listen to because you're going to get to hear from one of your peers who is doing it uh, that, yes, it can be done. So uh, we start off the conversation with her just sort of outlining what brought us to this point, what got us in contact, and she kicks off the conversation by outlining what some of their questions were and what they've been going through. So I reached out to Dan, um, I'm currently in a master's program um, and one of my independent studies is called Recruiting in a Digital Age. So obviously coronavirus um, has obviously limited a lot of recruiting traditional methods. So I wanted to try and get ahead of the curve and sort of learn what research and what new adaptions can we take to what we traditionally do as recruiting and just modify it so we don't stand still in this time. So through this process of looking through research uh, with my professor and then um, multiple colleagues across the country, speaking of uh, Dan Tudor's university, I made the decision to start enrolling in the classes. And from that, um, started to slowly generate the concepts and ideas of how to structure recruiting in a more sort of blueprint fashion where it's more logistical and you're going through the process and in a way you have it all documented um, 
on one site to have all the information you need sort of to go in more organized in your next conversations with recruits um, the initial part of my project started this summer where we actually built a virtual recruiting platform for us so we have um, specific recruiting software that we use sending out to recruits so we go from like virtual tours to almost virtual um, recruiting days but we do it over a longevity process so we made that decision because um, I'd be watching recruits come on campus um, and it just seemed like they were completely overwhelmed in the process half the time of they meet with admissions they meet with professors and I was just like at the end of their visit what do they truly take away from it so building this concept of let's do this virtually and we can do this over a stretch as much as we want so we went from like turning it into almost weeks and months of going through basically a digital recruiting day with a specific recruit. And we started having actually success from kids from far away committing to the program, doing that method. So I wanted to strip it back even further with this class and make sure everything like you say in, in the university stuff, Dan, is timing's key. So when is the right time to implement these methods? Because if you just throw it all at them at once, it's just going to get lost in the noise that you're telling them. Right. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a, a great observation. Um, and I am curious, just let's go back to the very beginning of this, because, um, you know, you're involved in a, um, you know, a college team now. We're not going to mention the sport or the, uh, or the, the university. But you're involved in in you know in that in coaching and and do you have a firsthand knowledge of watching prospects go through the decision making process as you did? I guess I'm just wondering what was the first thing that you started on your own before you dove into any of the resources and everything? But at the start, what were some of the things that just naturally you recognized as a younger coach that weren't hitting the mark that were just off that you know, the way that that you saw college coaches approaching the whole process of recruiting and decision-making wasn't going to make sense with that teenage mindset. Um, what, what, where were some of the gaps that you saw? Great question. I, I think originally some of it just seemed so transactional to me. And um, I think it's absolutely a method in recruiting that is necessary depending on what part you're in. But I think being so transactional with these types of student athletes, they want relationships. And it's like, okay, how do you build a relationship? And like you speak of like the emotional connection. Um, that was something that I was seeing was a huge gap of. It was sort of like, get the kids in, see if they like it, try and make a decision. And for me, it was just like, what I love about my boss in particular, it was more of a methodical approach of slow and try and actually learn as much as you can about the recruit in a little bit of a longer process. That way, that emotional investment, they feel like they're invested and they're almost committing a, potentially a lot earlier than what they traditionally maybe would have just because you've built that connection with them. Right. So, and it is, it, can, it seems like it is counterintuitive for many college coaches who are so process oriented in colleges, just as an institution, if you're a new prospect or you might be an incoming student, it everything is back to this process that you just brought up. And yet, if we flip it over to the athlete side, it is, I mean, you nailed it with the term, it's a relationship. It's building that comfort level and feeling like, okay, is this, 
a place that I feel connected with? Is this the coach who I think would feel right for me as a, um, as a recruit? So that's, that's just a very interesting way to, um, to put it. Uh, so what were the things that, you know, how, how did you start this whole process? I guess, what was the goal other than completing the class, but as a coach, what did you want to make sure you got out of it and that you figured out for your program and then just for you as a, as a coach in your career? Yeah, I think for me, I wanted, I feel like my recruiting at times seemed all over the place. Was there, was there a method to the madness I always joke about? And so for me, it was like, I'd try and see where the players led it where the prospects would sort of talk and see where it led that information. Because I'm sure every coach has a notebook where they write notes when they're talking to their recruits. So for me, when I was doing that, I was looking at my notebook and I was like, I just seem like I'm all over the place. Which, obviously every kid's process can be slightly different, but they all hit on the same points at times throughout their timeline. So for me, it was like, okay, how can I make this more structured in a way where I can clearly see these steps that I need to go through with this athlete to get from the initial contact to the actual decision-making process, um, so their final decision. So for me, that was the biggest piece as a coach because I want to become more effective with my recruiting rather than just almost being on the phone for just being on the sake of the phone with an athlete. Right, right. So when when you began to learn some of these things and you went through the class and and – uh, you, you were starting to put together some new basis of knowledge. What was the first thing that you learned, whether it was from us or just observationally that just, you know, you figured out on your own, what was the first big sort of aha moment in this process of trying to figure out how to recruit in the digital age and, and how to make it more about a relationship versus the process? I think the concept of how you go about it was... So I think, was it, are you do how obviously scoutings come obviously very differently right now, whether depending on what division you're in, if you're in the dead period or not. And for me, I think it was that initial of how do you build a picture of a player when we might not be able to traditionally physically see them? So I think that was a really good learning curve of there's different methods and ways to build this profile on your athlete. Um, and then from there, what are the key, the key people that you need to talk to first to gain a better concept and idea of the player so you're not effectively just going in blinds? We're not seeing the player and like, I need to rush and get this kid before anyone else sees them. Taking a lot more of a step back, take a breath, get all the information you need first because I think that's been a, a real critical point of putting this together of, players seem to be like, how do you know that information? Like just little pieces you know about them, like what's their favorite pet? Like have they got a younger sibling? Like having that little piece of information I think has helped in the process. And that was just like the work on the front end to start the process off. So that's interesting that, and I think I've, I've made the same observation on visits to campus. Like when I watch a coach or an admissions department lead a campus tour or a campus visit, it seems like once everybody's assembled or once it's, you know, they're supposed to start, they just jump in and start giving out information and pointing to buildings and walking and you're, you're on the ride. And it always sort of baffled me. Why didn't they take some time at the start to, 
ask questions and get to know a little bit about the person, why they're there, what maybe other colleges that didn't seem right to them, all the things that you would want to know if you were going to build a relationship in this recruiting process. And yet most coaches and even most admissions departments, they don't do that. It's just so much about the process. I guess what I wanted to ask you, just since you mentioned that, uh, you know, about taking some time and finding out some of those little details, whether it was the day of or even before they got to campus, did you notice a difference, uh, the coaches that you were? We'll be back to the show in just a minute. But first, a quick question. What makes a college coach a more intelligent recruiter? Well, it starts with using technology that actually gives you insights and trends when it comes to the recruits you're communicating with. That's the mission of Advanced Recruiting Intelligence. RE gives college coaches the ability to track, rank, and communicate with recruits like no other app available to coaches. And the best part? It costs 20 to 40% less than what most departments are paying for their older recruiting contact management programs. For a free demo, and to see why so many coaches are saving money and using better technology to boost their recruiting results, visit ARIRecruiting.com. And now, back to the show. Did they notice a difference? I'm also wondering, Coach, just as you started to make some of these changes or recommend some of these changes, talk about the changes with the rest of the staff that you work with, what was their reception? I ask that just because sometimes uh, anytime you ask existing coaches who have always done it a certain way to do something different, that isn't always something easy for them to do. So I'm just wondering... Uh, what was their reaction to all this? Did it make sense to them? Was there some pushback? How did you feel some of these changes being implemented? Uh... Yeah, I'm really lucky. My boss is awesome. Um, she's really pushed me to look at things and she knows that recruiting, there's certain structures that she believes will stay the same, but there are aspects that you need to adapt to constantly be able to obviously try and get those top recruits. Um, obviously, it's not an even playing field. Like every program is structured a different way. Like, like it says in the uh, process um, um, on the university of everyone might start off in the horse race at the start the same, but people are gonna pull ahead for different reasons. So I think she was really supportive in the ideas, but she challenged me a lot of thinking what is the purpose like how do you implement it she's always like it's great as coaches having ideas and it getting sort of stuck above our head like there's all these ideas but taking action and doing it effectively is what she's pretty big about of okay let's figure this out and figure out how do we do it effectively to best utilize our time and get the best results possible Right. So how did that happen? So when you started to make a process to implement this, uh, even if it was at the beginning on a small scale, how did you do it? Because I think you've identified something that a lot of coaches struggle with, which is I have these ideas or I hear a piece of information, uh, whether it's from us or some other source, but they get this information. It sounds good. And now how do I put it into practice? Because that's a challenge. And also, Usually that involves undoing something that you were doing before. So that is, I think, the, the hardest thing for coaches. How did you, how did you practically uh, do that within your program and for you as a coach? I think initially it's learning what resources you have on campus at your disposal. I think 
I think what some people and coaches might struggle with is like, I've done this for so long and it's worked and trying to undo it is time consuming and trying to get it off the ground again is time consuming. But when you look at the resources you have on campus, for example, a virtual tour, you have a media department, you have um, media students doing final projects and things like that. So we were lucky that one of our interns in the media department really wanted to help with this process and get this up and running. So like, obviously each coach has their own strength and potentially digital editing might not be one of them. So finding people that you can work with around your school um, to help that process and then potentially you end up helping other departments as well. Like us talking with admissions and things like that. I think it helped both departments in a way. So it's, it's more of a give and take rather than you go in there and just using their service and saying, see you later. Right. You know, you mentioned something that it's hard to, um, to do something that's working. And the immediate thing that I thought of when you said that was so many times what a coach is doing isn't working, it's not working greatly to the expect that, uh, to the extent that they want. And yet it's still hard to change. Like we are such creatures of habit and creatures of like predictability. Even if we know it's not going to work well, it's what we've done. Did you find any of that to be true? Absolutely. I think it takes a lot and it takes a, a really good staff, in my opinion, to sit there and like depict yourself. Part of our job is we do it daily with recruits. We're evaluating, our team we're evaluating. But how often are we looking at ourselves and truly evaluating where we need to be better? Um, so I'm really lucky I have a boss like that, that is constantly looking for us to adapt and change and tweak things. It's not rewriting the whole playbook, but there's definitely ways where it's like, this could be more effective. Or I remember saying to a coach uh, not long ago, okay, well, maybe there's no right or wrong way of recruiting, but she challenged me and said, you're wrong. If you're not getting those top recruits, you're doing it wrong. So I was like, okay, that's an interesting out outlook that I'd never really thought of. So I think that's a real clear um, evaluation point to start off with is, are you being beat to the punch by those top recruits, especially when it's in conference? No coach wants to lose kids in conference. So if you evaluate that concept, I think you're going to find somewhere in your structure where the breakdown comes from. Right. So what was, and again, every staff would have their biggest strength and biggest weakness, but what was the thing that you saw the most dramatic turnaround uh, in when you implemented sort of a more relationship-based systematic way of approaching it that focused on building the relationships and the feelings of the prospect? What, what was that, the, the biggest change or, or benefit for your I think we started to see more out-of-state kids from further away commit without even being on campus to us. Um, that was something really interesting to me. Of I always had that concept, you need to be on campus, you need to get that feel. But we created that virtually, and it was I don't know if it was more of an experiment or to see could we get them to the point where it's get them in a good place to eventually down the line. And a lot of obviously this came down to when the pandemic was hitting. Um, but those kids were so confident with their decision and that relationship we built with them that they were happy to say, we'll see you in August when we step on campus for the first time. 
Like that was really interesting for me, um, seeing that adapt and change. No, and and you know, so again, the whole topic that we're titling this is recruiting in the digital age, and so much of it is because we've had to make as coaches adjustments in the way that we talk to athletes, the process that's used because campuses are closed, travel it's harder, um, it's just harder to do things right now anyway, the old way that they have been done. I just have to ask because so many coaches are still of the belief that I need them on campus. I have to have them in person for them to feel ready to commit or even just I don't feel right asking for a commitment before they could get on campus because I went through it that way. They need to do that. And what you're another coach that I've heard say, even though maybe it was a little bit of a risk at the start, we started to do this digitally we started to do it remotely and what do you know it works it that they don't need to see campus I, can you just talk a little bit about that was that surprising did you hear coach uh, kids comment about that during the process i because that is something that is still i think a lot of coaches cock their head a little bit and and say really they're they're ready to commit without actually seeing campus first and you're another coach i'm hearing that says yeah they are yeah for me like Obviously, um, it was definitely something different because I always thought it's something that they needed. And when we all got shut down as a country, it was a matter of, we can't do this, but either we still need to keep moving forward with recruits or they want to make their decisions. So I think once you've built that relationship, you can ask those harder questions to them of, are you comfortable making a decision without physically seeing campus. And that takes a lot of relationship building and further along along the process with them in their timeline before you can even think about hitting that. Because once we had those relationships and we sort of said that to those players of, hey, you've not been on campus yet. Are you comfortable making a decision? They were like, I've done everything I physically would have done in person other than had my feet touch the grounds of the facility. So... For them, they were like, we saw everything and did everything we would do on a visit. We met the players, we met the coaching staff, advisors, admissions, went through the virtual tours. We went some physical, like, live FaceTimes with them. Like, they'd done everything they physically would have done in person. They were like, what else am I going to see or learn or know when I'm actually on campus at this point? Right. What what do you chalk it up to that this generation is so comfortable doing that? Because I don't think even five or 10 years ago, you would have somebody uh, that was a prospect or the parents of a prospect even being comfortable saying, yep, we, uh, we've seen everything we can see. We've done everything physically that we can do. We're ready. And we'll actually you know, experience campus once we get on the campus as a student athlete. That wasn't happening a very short time ago, and now it is. What what do you chalk it up to? Well, I think you talk about it in the university of some of it is biases, and I think that becomes biased to their actual decision of what the recruiting process should look like. Like For years, like you said, we've always bought this concept. You come on campus, you make your decision. Like that's how it's done. But I think for us, having players that initially were that get-go, like those trailblazers that did that in our program, when other kids hear that it's not an abnormal process, other people on our team have done it, and they talk to those players, 
I think that settled so many nerves from uh, the players that did make that decision virtually in the end of other people have done it. It's okay. It's not traditional. I'll get to campus at some point, even if it is literally the day I'm showing up for preseason. Like, I think that's a huge benefit um, that I've seen from players making that decision completely virtually. And do you, again, I'm, I'm asking for your opinion on, mm-hmm. on this other part too, just the mindset of the student athlete that you're recruiting now. Um, is it just something that because so much of their world is digital and remote and they're used to sort of getting to know things on social media, visually at a distance, is that, do you think, is that why they're more comfortable with everything and, and the ability to just say, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm good and I'll commit without actually physically setting foot on campus. Is that just something unique to their generation right now? Absolutely. Like how many us coaches will go into a locker room or when our players leave practice, their faces are stuck to their screens. Like that's how this generation are. And there's nothing to bash. I'm sort of a little bit a part of that generation. Maybe all of us coaches are when we're on social media, but they learn and they process and they take in information through their devices now. So it's a matter of how do you use that to your benefit? Um, is that graphics? Is that visual um, videos? Like, I think going more and putting yourself in their shoes of what they need to see and how they learn. Like, if you can learn that early on in the process, that can really gear how you specifically recruit that recruit. And I think a lot of it is slowly turning completely digitally, in my opinion. Right. Well, and, you know, to that point, you, you have to, if you're going to take that approach... You have to make sure that you are building that relationship, understanding what it is that's driving their decision, how they like to communicate, what their, you know, where are their weaknesses in terms of being able to take in information and then adjust accordingly. So, and that kind of leads my my other question: How much as you've built out this new process for you and your program uh, using some of this new information? How have you? How much do you customize? the approach by recruit. I mean, I guess how much is, is every recruit's going to see the same thing and then how much of it becomes, um, customized to an individual recruits, you know, own, own liking do you find? You have to absolutely everyone. Um, if you're not re you, that's why you have to have these initial conversations with kids, build those relationships, know what they want. Um, like you said, everyone's going to go through the process. They're going to learn about the school. They're going to learn about your team. But that's where this process needs to be fluid. Of You can have the physical blueprint and say step one's here to step whatever it is. And each kid's one is going to be modified and changed because if I learn from phone call number one, this recruit school is their absolute number one. I need to hit that early on to keep that engagement. I need to talk school, talk with them. So I think the process changes maybe, um, I'm trying to think of the right word to use, um, steps, like each step, maybe step one for one kid might be step four for another. I think, I think that, that or It's almost like a flow chart, whichever direction they go, it might take you down a different path on that flow chart. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think it's just different steps and you've got to figure out Here's your blueprint as a coach, and this is what I'm trying to build going into second semester, is here is the blueprint. 
okay, and then when each recruit comes along after the initial phone calls, where do these blueprints, does this blueprint make sense for this kid? If not, do I need to chop and change a few of those processes? And I think, like you say, you always ask them, what are the next steps? And either you can take the approach you're telling them, or you can see where they lead. And again, like if phone call three was meant to talk about school, but they just led on from phone call two, actually they're really interested about the team culture. That might be a later conversation. I might go, okay, let's switch it in. Like we're going to get to the school piece. They really want to learn about this. And this is how I'm going to keep them engaged because that's what they want. Um, And I think it has to be individual. Otherwise, coaches just get stuck in their sales pitch of what we've done always. And we might not be getting the recruits just because of that one reason. We're not making subtle changes for that individual athlete. So I think kids, like you say in the university, they can see through all the fluff. They can see through the, am I just getting the same message everyone's getting? When you make that personal little change, and they can just be subtle, I think it goes a long way in the process. And you start hearing things from kids of like, this coach gets me, or you hear from their parents and they're like, you've understood their needs and you've taken it along with them and gone through their process with them. And I think that's huge to these sort of kids because they know you're now invested in them. And what's interesting is you're talking about this coach. Um, you're you're talking about being flexible and, and pivoting, you know, to the direction that you see the recruit going on. Um, so it's interesting that as you build out this process, as you build out intentionally kind of your step-by-step, but leaving room to adjust and skip steps based on what you see the prospect doing, it actually, it seems to speed up the process. Is that That's at least what I'm getting from you is that the process in your program now moves a lot faster. Is that, do you feel like that's true? I think we'll get there. I think we're still in the stages of building through it. But for me, I think absolutely, because like you talk about timeline and once you understand and help them through what each step of their timeline is, that can accelerate at any time and you've already got the structure to go along with it. So when you get that dreaded phone call of, hey coach, I've been given a 48 hour deadline, you know exactly what they have left of what they wanted to learn and what they need to know. And you can adapt that process as much as you need of, okay, I've got 48 hours, what is the rest of information they need? Because maybe in 48 hours, they're making a decision for me as well. Right. So I guess I'm wondering, with everything that you've built out, with everything that you have learned, and then you are implementing it, and you're sharing that, which we, every coach listening to that, this appreciates the fact that you're willing to sort of talk about what you're doing within your program. So I appreciate that. What What is left on the to-do list? Like, where do you feel like, okay, there's some things that we're still not doing and maybe even if you have questions about those that we can talk about or answer, I would love to do that because it sounds like you have a lot of it in place. Um, but like you just said, there's a little, there's some of it that you're getting there. You're not quite there yet. What is left to do? What, where do you feel like the, um, the, if it's still missing some steps or it's still not perfected in the way that you want it? So right now where I'm in the process of the blueprint is really sp- I want to be more specific of what needs to start early on to be able to allow those final steps to happen. So I think it's trying to build an initial logistical steps of what makes sense and then 
obviously, like I said, that will change with each recruit. But I think physically building a concrete, this is where it starts. Because um, what will happen my second semester is using that information of stage one, what do I need to learn about the kid? What do they need to learn about us? And basically going through that of green, we got through stage one, stage two. And then hopefully in that process next semester, understanding if kids de- uh, decide to not obviously continue conversations with us or they commit elsewhere, being able to physically see in this blueprint of they got to stage four of us and they chose not to. And obviously normally traditionally when students turn you down, you hear that information of why, like why they chose the other school. And I might learn that that process, okay, stage two and three aren't really important right now to keep them in their process where they are in their timeline. So for me, it's just building that sort of evaluation street of being able to really have concrete data in front of me of hopefully by next semester, why am we gaining recruits and why aren't we gaining recruits so we can continue to adapt and just make that process better as we go along. Right. Well, I mean, just for some feedback, or as I was listening to you talk, what I would want to, uh, what I would want to tell you is that, uh, and, and certainly, if you've been accessing the the resources that we're offering, then you you probably have heard us talk about the value and the necessity of really building out and defining a timeline of how the process should go to the recruit and also when that process is going to, at the latest, come to an end. Basically, when you here's when our program is going to be all wrapped up with recruiting and we're going to end the process. So you need to define that the, the latest possible time when they could tell you yes. And, and then what, you know, what that timeline looks like between, you know, whatever the start point is, whatever the, the end point is. Um, and that's one thing that I think is hard for programs to do because it sets some definition to it. And then you really, once you set definition to it and you, you're supposed to stick to that, I think the scary thing for some coaches is it, the, the idea that at a certain point we may have to walk away from an athlete who's still deciding or, or not quite sure it's going to be us, uh, even though we've defined that now's the time to choose and we defined that for, for her or him, you know, 10 months ago. Um, where, where do you feel like your program is at when it comes to that? Said, sort of establishing that timeline and defining it for the recruit and really then establishing a time when at the latest we're going to be wrapped up and you, you, if you haven't made a decision already, you'll need to by, by X date. We're not a specific program that sets a structured, like we need a decision by January 1st, for example, for us, we play the, what is your timeline? And, uh, one of our colleagues here on campus has gone through the whole university and he, he gave me this really good nugget that I now use daily with recruits of when is the earliest you want to make a decision? When's the latest you want to make a decision? That's their timeline. And when I talk to timelines to recruits, sometimes it's deer in headlights. They're like, a timeline? Like, like what? And it's like, relax. It's not us forcing a decision. It's us trying to understand where you're at in the process and where you want to go. So... For us, we set that and then it's on their terms. And normally a lot of the time, like these kids wanna, I think the pressure of social media is making their timeline speed up. They see that kids are committing, their teammates are committing. Like, 
So then they hear like, oh, these guys are coming in, like I should be making my decision. And it's always coming back, so I always bring back everyone's process is different. Don't let someone else's timeline define yours. But working so far, working with sort of the 22 class and about those timelines and trying to get them to build out what that looks like, that's helping me with the recruit of, okay, I know the clear steps they must take before they're ready for a decision. And we can push that timeline up by having all that information in prior to it. So then, because obviously I don't want to wait till, say, if they say, August 1st, I want to make my decision. I don't want to leave it to August 1st and the chance that she's not going to make a decision prior to that. Right. Well, so and I think, sorry, Coach, sorry, sorry. You know, I, I was just going to jump in and say, I think the way that you just described it is an element of, of what I was describing, which is mm -hmm. you are defining a timeline. You're just letting them define it. But you're both agreeing to... Okay, here's the earliest date. Here's the latest date. So there, you now have this range of when you know, or what they have said anyway, they will make a decision within that time frame. Perfect. I think that's great because that, I mean, I personally don't care who establishes the timeline. Mm -hmm. I think it's great that it's there. And by letting them do it, I think then you later on in the process, you know, asking for a commitment or pointing out that they, this was you told us as the prospect that it was going to be during this timeline. And it, it's hard to argue against that. If it was them telling you, here's when I was going to decide, and now you're just taking them at their word, um, I think that's a, you're doing it. So I just wanted to, to, to let you and everybody else listening know that whether it's the prospect defining the timeline and you agreeing to it, it's going to work for you, or you establishing the timeline, Either way, a timeline gets established, mm -hmm. and that's the important thing. I don't, I don't think any coach should care who establishes it. If if the the athlete can can jump in and coherently come up with uh, that range that early and late, and we did talk about in the tutoring university instruction, so that's great that the other coach in your program is using that, and obviously it's working. Um, so I, again, so you're setting the timeline, and that's that I think with everything else that you're doing that provides what I was sort of called the context for them as to why they have to go through this process and in what time. Because if I know I have a year and a half to make a decision about anything, I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to think about it proactively and I'm going to probably wait until, you know, one year, five months and 15 days to really <laughs> make that decision. Cause I know the deadline's coming up. If I know I have six months or four months, I'm going to act differently and it's going to be on a different timeline. So one of the things that I see coaches struggling with is they don't set a timeline verbally. They don't agree to it with the prospect, but they have it up in their head. They know when they need to be done or when their college needs them to make sure they have the application and those types of process things. They don't define it or talk about it with the prospect. And that's where that's where that frustration comes in and that's where the, you know, some lag might come in. But it sounds like you've you've gotten past that. So I just so good job. I just wanted to make sure that there was an element of a timeline, and there is. So that's awesome. Yeah, no, I think it's imperative you have that because I think when I originally started coaching, I didn't know if I believed in timelines for the longest time. But like you said, is you can get stuck in that frustration. You're always saying that recruits always moving forward, no matter what, they're either moving towards you or away from you, and. Without that timeline, I don't think you're going to be able to see is that are they coming towards you or are they leaving? Because I think 
I think a timeline helps you slow down the process. Like you talk about drip feeding the information. If I know I've got six months, I don't need to in the first two weeks hit them with everything and they have nothing to talk about. So I think it can it helps your communication become more consistent having a timeline. Because then that way you know, hey, I've got and constantly even checking up on that timeline. Like I'm always saying to recruits, and we always say as a program, if your timeline's changing, let us know. So every few phone calls or conversations, we'll bring up the timeline again and go, are you still looking at this? And sometimes you'll be surprised because it might change. So reevaluating that timeline is imperative. No, that, and that's exactly the way you should do it because it's conversational. It gives you the update. You get to hear new information from them. And it's amazing to me that not a lot of coaches do what you just described doing. So that is, that, that's great. I, I guess um, to start to wrap up our conversation, you know, so now you've established all this. It's working well. We went over a little bit of, of sort of where some of the next steps are going to be. I guess I'm just wondering now that you're this far along in the process, what do you, how do you see it impacting not only the program you're at now, but then in the future as you, you know, move around and, and um, lead your own program at some point, how does it impact you? I, mean, I guess, what, what do you feel like it has given you as a coach and a recruiter in this, in this process that you didn't have before? Just everything that you've laid out and, and done and systemized as you, go through recruiting in a more digital world that we're in. Yeah, I would say a lot more structure and methods to recruiting of not just the, I found a recruit, I like it, I want them. I think it's a lot more of a structured process and having that physical document, I can physically see every day where this recruits at. I think just that like, Sometimes that reassurance you might need as a coach of like, oh, I don't know about this recruit. I'm not sure where that if they if they're just entertaining, just chatting to me right now. Are they really interested in me? I think as a coach, being able to go back through those notes and seeing because obviously, if you're 20 phone calls, for example, in you might lose some of the information over time that you might not have remembered. But when you've got it written out in front of you in a structured document, it becomes a okay, I still know everything down to the T with the kid. I know where they're at. And I think, obviously, being an assistant, it becomes a lot more important bringing that to your head coach of, like, this is where they're physically at. Like, look at this. This is where we've got with our conversations. This is what level and stage they're at. So they're in a little bit more of an informed part um, from the, with their assistants rather than just, like, general recruiting check-ins with them. I think that's been really cool to see um, hopefully moving forward more of the coaching staff all completely being on the same page with a recruit. And it seems just as a, my, my last takeaway from just listening to you describe this, sort of the before and after, I get the impression, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you're a lot more confident as a recruiter with this in place. Is that Would that be fair to say? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just it, and I think that counts for something because it, then it affects how you approach and what you're comfortable saying. And I think then the recruit can pick up on the fact that you're confident and that you know you're the you're leading them through this process. And I don't know if you've seen them react to that, but um, it just strikes me that you sound even as a young coach, just sort of figuring this out for the first time, you're much more confident, I would say, than a lot of head coaches that I talk to who are still trying to 
figure out how to recruit. And certainly over the last many months during the pandemic, how to adjust the recruiting. It just sounds like you figured it out. Yeah, it took a long time. I think I remember, I still to this day remember right now, my initial first recruiting phone call. I was nervous. I didn't want to say the wrong things. I didn't know, but it takes practice like anything. And I think just having a more clear thought of what I want to get out of a recruit and what they want to get out of us, I think definitely has streamlined a more sort of cohesive recruiting process between like myself, the coaching staff and the recruit. 